0: Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your bodies to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law. But under grace. And that is Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host A W. Virilla, and next to me, the president of Bridge Ministries, Steve Den
1: Hartog. What's up, everybody? Good to be back with you.
0: Yeah, Steve, you haven't been with us for a, a couple of weeks, couple of episodes. You were running around the country. Yeah. Well, you were up north in Wisconsin, north,
1: Illinois, Michigan, some snow and cold, and some good food, right? It was man, Midwest fair. I nice. love it.
0: So you were just taking care of some business up there. So that's exciting, um, and but Steve. Give us a little update on the building.
1: Yeah, so we are moving along very quickly here since we've got our inspection, our uh, permits approved and so forth. The, uh, the construction guys have been really hammering it out, so to speak. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're Lord willing going to be moving in in uh, March is what we're looking at. Hopefully we'll be done uh, pretty much wrapped up with the actual finish off at the end of February. And so we're super, super excited about that. Looking forward to getting in there and and uh, just the, you know, the many opportunities the Lord's going to give us to, you know, expand the ministry, reach more people, looking forward to being closer to the university over yes, there, yes. you know, expanding the uh, Spanish outreach as well. So yeah, it's super exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talk about this every day and as it gets closer, it's like becoming a reality. It's been a, a, a long journey. Um uh, has. Uh, but man, The Lord's been faithful. The Lord has been absolutely faithful. And uh again, thank you for all listeners, uh for the people who have uh, people that have contributed and um thank you again for, for giving. Uh we always needs we need help. Uh we have bigger plans here in the future and it's only by God's grace and mercy and his uh And his purpose for this ministry that uh, we're going to do this. But uh, again, thank you. And we'll continue on with these podcasts. But um, uh, it's been kind of crazy just with COVID and everything the last couple years. But but again, thank you for listening. Today, we have a first-time author. Uh, We have Dr. Mark Jones. Uh, We're going to be talking about his new book. Knowing Sin, Seen a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. And you guys know that we love the Puritans here. Uh, we got we to gotta do a, a new body of the video. We do, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's been We've a while. We've been kind of tardy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, we're super excited. Uh, knowing Sin, Seen a Neglected dr- Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritan by Dr. Mark Jones. Uh, Moody Publishing. Uh, Moody Publishing reached out to us and we're super excited. So um, uh, looking forward to interview Dr. Mark Mark Jones. So, uh, Steve, you want want to get this podcast started? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Dr. Mark Jones is Senior Minister at Faith Vancouver Presbyterian Church. He's the author and editor of many books and speaks all over the world on topics related to Christian life. Welcome, Dr. Mark Jones, to Bridge Radio for the first time.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, we're excited uh, about your new book to just... Just got released, uh, Knowing Sin, Seeing a neg- Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritan and uh, Puritans. And here at Bridge, we love the Puritans. We do. <laughs> yes. So we were really excited about your new book. Again, the topic of knowing uh, of sin in just ge- general, a topic that we don't like to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to this podcast and unpacking this. But, but before we begin... Um, Mark, can you please just uh, uh, let us know a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to saving faith?
2: I was a student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, a Badger, playing Mm. soccer, and uh, I was converted my first year of university there through um, just a few circumstances. One was um, just realizing that I was supposed to have had everything going for me, and yet I felt very empty, and listened to some sermons, uh, taped sermons by a South African preacher, and one was on Romans 8.28, and uh, all things work together for good to those who love God, but I realized I didn't love God the way I needed to, and uh, so I wanted all things working together for my good, and realized that I need to, to turn to the Lord, so I turned to the Lord, and knew uh, maybe even before then, but really knew that I was going to be a, a minister. And that was sort of, I just dedicated the rest of my life from that first year of university to uh, becoming a, a a preacher, a pastor um, in God's household.
1: Hmm. Wow. Did you just have some friends that reached out to you or how did you initially? Uh, no, my, my
2: my dad had a friend. We moved from South Africa in 1988 okay. to uh, Canada. And my dad had a friend who sent tapes uh, of of sermons to my dad because back then like all you had were tapes right. cassette uh, and I got a hold of them and listened and just was blown away by the by the sermons uh, unlike other sermons I'd listened to they just never hit me but these ones did and and that was that
1: yeah that's cool to hear the stories of how God uses the Holy Spirit to bring people to conviction and bring them to saving faith they're all different so yeah, yeah. for sure. sure um so. Uh, mark why a book
0: on sin to be honest the the topic um
2: is something I think maybe the church uh needs uh, there's not a whole lot of books on sin I know there's many many books on sin in in other eras of the church and I figured well why aren't there so many today I mean there's some there's some different types of books that attack sin but I wanted something that's a not just um, on a specific sin, but an overview of how do we understand sin. And I just thought, given my own studies of the Puritans, uh, the more I studied Christology, the more I studied the doctrine of God and other doctrines, the more I was starting to learn a lot more about sin that even I hadn't really understood well. So I thought, if I can, as a pastor slash theologian, bring this home to people in the pew uh maybe it can be a, a significant or at least meaningful contribution to the, the church and how we go forward on certain topics um that are emerging every month, it feels like, um that, that need to be addressed in the context of human sin.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the Puritans. How 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 were the Puritans a blessing to you? How did they help you with this topic?
2: The Puritans well, they they write. Big books, so the 17th yeah. century books are bigger than 18th century books. I mean, yeah. over time, books start to get a bit shorter. So they write big books, and I've 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 had to struggle through some of these books myself, just in my my studies back when I was at um, university. And I just thought they have such turns of phrase at times that they lead up to. So it's not like Twitter. You know, you get a nice quote on Twitter, and it's cool, but The thing about the puritans is they build up to those quotes Mm -hmm. that are like a twitter quote and you get there and you understand what they then mean so you you, you're you've got to do the work but once you do the work uh you you find that it's glorious some of the things they have to say so i'm i'm saying well how can i how can i get this out into the 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 pew so to speak uh and this was a, a way using the puritans to do so
0: so one of the things that uh caught my eye in your book was the Rosario Butterfield Ford. Um mm. Rosario Butterfield has been on our podcast twice, yeah. so she's a friend of the ministry, so uh, is there a story there that we just don't know?
2: <laughs> uh, Rosario's been a very um, good friend and an encouraging person in my own ministry. Uh, her family stayed uh, at my house in, in Vancouver when she came to do a, a conference once, and we built up a a friendship there and I uh, she had she seemed to really enjoy knowing Christ uh my one of my <coughs> older and, and uh, has promoted that and, and really given me a lot of encouraging words of that so I I sent uh this book to her and I remember you know getting an email back from her where she was just tickled pink I mean she was <laughs> thrilled to uh, have read this, and there were there was a chapter that really struck her, and she said she would be happy to write a foreword. And uh, almost, I think, the day she said she would be happy to write the foreword, the next morning she woke up early and wrote it, and it was in my email inbox um, <laughs> that morning, which was remarkable. And the way she writes is is so readable and mm. and punchy, and 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 so I it was quite something. I, I'd had this happen once where. I sent Jerry Packer a copy of Knowing Christ, and he just sent me a forward. I didn't even ask. He said, "Well, if you want this forward, it kind of just spilled out." And uh, so those are the two examples of forwards in my life where they they just been sort of very natural, and I didn't, you know, I just happened. So I I hope that her own love for what she read will will trickle down to others.
0: Yeah, wow, she is
1: definitely a brain for yeah, sure. She is She's so a- gifted. She's a big mm-hmm. fan of the Puritans and the older authors as well so
2: yeah absolutely
1: so um mark what do Christians misunderstand about sin what do you think is the biggest misconception that we have
2: there's probably a few uh misunderstandings I I mean it's hard uh you know at a conference that's usually where you make grandiose statements yeah. the greatest problem in the church today about sin is this I I would tend to think maybe uh, we still don't Understand original sin well. I think we don't understand the nature of internal versus external temptation and how one is not necessarily sinful, whereas one is what is um, sinful. We don't understand the um, nature of sin in terms of what it uh, isn't as well as what it is. And I talk about that in, in one of the chapters, um, privation, sins, privation. So uh, to me, it's kind of a, a number of factors that are interrelated and and. I, I just think generally um, we don't really also understand as Christians the power of indwelling sin, uh, but how we're different from non-Christians in terms of uh, the sin that remains. Hmm.
1: Can you flesh that out a little bit? What when you talk about indwelling sin, what do you what do you mean there?
2: I mean simply that. Uh, and John Owen has what probably is the classic treatment on indwelling sin uh, and. and it's sort of the understanding that obviously we all grasp as christians that sin's dominion has been broken from Romans 6 and uh, the question then is to, to what degree does sin impact us in our christian life now as christians and and by that we have to be very careful not to overstate the power of sin but not to understate the power of sin as pastors and i I think that's delicate and you can say things at times where people need to have emphasized the power of the Spirit killing sin and the victories we have, but also you need to at times have a realism about the fact that I think Samuel Davies said most of our sanctification is more imagined than real, Mm. or the Heidelberg Catechism speaks of small beginnings. And so it depends on the context and who you're speaking to where you're going to accentuate indwelling sin's power or its defeat, and um, that becomes a pastoral issue in my mind rather than a one size fits all.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's good.
0: I do like, and the, the first chapter of your book, you're just setting everything up. Uh, the section that really, uh, hit me there was Adam's transgression. Mm -hmm. And if you allow me just to just read this portion of it, obviously for our listeners, you got to go get the book. So we're not going to give you everything on this podcast. All right. So don't even think about it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you say that Adam's transgression was against the whole God's of moral, the whole of God's moral law, which was yeah. written on his heart as one made in God's image. His unbelief and his pride revealed self-love, self-seeking, self-promotion, which are violations of the first commandment. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. Like it was so well put. I really enjoyed that part. and, yeah. and, and, and we talk about Adam here a lot, you know. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And 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 how we are guilty through one man, and also saved through one man, our Lord Christ Jesus. But yeah, um. So I really uh, and I mean, again, there was just other parts of the chapter and there that I was just like, wow, uh, when you were just talking about the devil and everything involved,
1: yeah, with that. So. Speaking of Adam, can you talk a little bit about original sin? I mean, I don't want to equate Adam with the original sin. What mm. what are we talking about when we're talking about original sin, and how is that related to Adam?
2: Well, there's two ways of, of looking at it. I mean, the original sin as a theological term is, is usually identified with Augustine's um, initial treatment, uh, and later, you know, things were developed in a way. But Uh, You can talk about original sin with regards to humans, so Adam and Eve in the garden, and that's typically when you use the phrase original sin. Um, It has that in mind, but then what I try to show in the book, of course, is that there was a transgression against God before Adam's formal uh, committing of treason, and that started with um, Satan, the serpent in the garden, and why the devil fell. And and Anselm had had written on the fall of Satan, a book, and, and looked at various um, aspects uh, connected to that. And, and a lot of Reformed theologians, of course, had to go back into that angelic realm to figure out, you know, why would Satan fall? What could be the clues we get in Scripture? And, you know, it's not like there's an, there's an obvious answer, but I think you can piece some things together as I tried to. And um you know pride some even suggested that satan had insight into the fact that christ would become incarnate and save humanity uh with a type of knowledge of of the fall happening and stuff there's different ways of um piecing it together but Mm -hmm. ultimately pride seems to have been uh, for satan a major cause whereas for adam it was not so much pride first but unbelief
1: Hmm.
2: so would you
0: say that that's the worst sin
2: yeah, I think, it, you know, if you look at what is the remedy for us being brought out of darkness into light, it is, it's justification through faith alone. We, we are beggars who receive through faith alone the righteousness of Christ. So that is the transition from darkness to light when we are justified. And so that answers to our biggest problem. And that is unbelief. So in the garden, Adam, as I said, uh, and you picked up on earlier, he, he broke all Ten Commandments. But mm. fundamentally, it was a failure to disbelieve God's threat, His Word. And when he didn't believe God, he believed a lie. And so it was unbelief. And that becomes then the worst. And I think for 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 even for Christians, our biggest struggles still are not believing God. You know, like the man who says, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm. Yeah. That's the story of many christians each day really yeah
0: yeah and it's a uh, um i'm just thinking of just even my own sin that i struggle with where it's so easy not to talk about right mm-hmm. we 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 want to let it's like we want to portray this th- this person that doesn't do that you right. know and 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 as whatever we struggle with, we come before the throne of grace each day for to ask for forgiveness. And, and, and I do have a hard time where, you know, I, I guess I should rephrase this. I do appreciate when p- pastors admit that they are fallen too, you know, and, and are able to relate that with their sheep, you know, uh, and let them know, Hey, like I need God's grace every day. I need his forgiveness every day. And, and I feel like I don't see that as much. Um, and it, and, and it's sad because, you know, as we talk to people, even here at the ministry, you know, like, you know, I look at you, I was like, I know that, I know you're sinful, you know, <laughs> even well, though yeah. you are, you're the spiritual, spiritual father in, in this ministry. But, uh, I, 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 yeah. So, um, what sin do Christians tend to struggle with the most and Why? To me, the that type of question is, is
2: it, it gets to it enables us to to talk a little bit about you know such as the Puritans like Thomas Goodwin for example he he doesn't um, he wouldn't answer that question as though there is an answer he would say well uh, sins affect people differently at different stages of their life mm. so he he would also say that depending on your status in life, you will be prone to certain sins. You know, someone who Mm -hmm. possesses power over others will be prone to certain sins, whereas those who are um, maybe poor or they are um, under authority in in significant ways will have certain sins. People who are uh, young, maybe teenage boys, are going to be dealing with lust differently than a five-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, it's it's just the nature of human nature is it's it's the seed of every sin is in our heart so the puritans and and McChain and, and uh, later on would say those types of things which is true we are apart from the grace of god able to commit any one sin yeah. they're they're all there but at certain stages in life we find ourselves more prone to certain sins just because of context and that's important for us to understand that an, a little old lady is not free from sin but maybe gossip in the old age home <laughs> is, is, a, is a big problem for her rather than murdering five people, uh, which you tend to not. Equate with old ladies. So, <laughs> you know, against, I. I Thanks for grandma
0: or something. Uh, just so yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> grandma on a shooting tree, It's not a common thing. But, uh you know, that's, I think, as pastors, also important for us to understand is when we preach that, you know, we got to preach to various types of people. And if our application always is, you know, you're a sinner, turn it's, you're not, you're kind of missing a golden opportunity to hit people in different ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think uh probably they're, their, their their background as far as family as well, I'm sure plays a lot into it, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, genetics as well have,
2: uh, and all of these questions are very complex, right? Yeah. So to be very careful, but also sensitive to that reality that some are prone to certain sins based on constitution even.
1: Mm. Yeah. There's a book by Thomas Brooks called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And I love that book because I think it deals with all of those different issues. The Puritans had a way of fleshing out things. It seems way beyond what I'm able to do. I know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know what you quite frequently um, see nowadays. And they he, he covers just so many different contingencies and so many different you know possibilities in that book. And and mm-hmm. uh, I love that book.
2: Yeah. Great book.
0: Uh, uh, Mark, we're, uh, Steve and I have been going through, uh, Thomas Watson's the body of divinity and, and going through that when he's talking about sin, like you said, I can, God hasn't given me that brain to just write and, and be able to articulate that so well, you know? And, and, and again, I, I reading your book and, and I was just like, wow, like, You didn't give me that brain, God, but it's amazing that he gave it to somebody to be able to explain these, uh, truth and, and just talk about sin in that way that I can read it and just, just be amazed at how just, uh, just to pinpoint that, Mm. you know, and and able to articulate. I think like
1: Mark said earlier, you know, the Puritans just had a way of phrasing things to kind of bring it to that, that climax that, uh, really is something that, that Mm. sticks with you um mark are all sins the same in god's eyes i know we've had that discussion here with people (laughs) what would you say about that to me it's
2: uh you know when people say that it's, it's it's um maybe a get out of jail card for them where they've done something really bad and then they go well you know all sins are the same in God's eyes so yeah. i i i think all sin is sin and in it's all an infinite transgression against god even the smallest sin is worthy of damnation but that's um you know not to say even though we acknowledge that that all sins are equally heinous as to to use a a Puritan-like phrase. So, and we even know this according to the law of of nature and how society works regarding murder. We do manslaughter, first degree, second, third degree, because we understand different types of transgressions are not the same. So, uh, I, I liken this um, to a, a let's say um, a young man. He's he's seventeen and he's with his girlfriend and they they transgress boundaries in a sexual way. Um, is that as aggravating before God as a married pastor who goes after another man's wife and they um, sin. Well, the pastor has a greater responsibility in light of his office. He's also got a greater responsibility because he's married. He's also involving another married person. So you bring out all of these other factors and you realize that there's a much greater sin depending on even your your state in life, your office, and how many people you involve. So um, we have to be sensitive to the fact that—and this is something that I think we don't do well—someone in the Church who's a public figure sins. It's much more serious when they sin than when a regular member because of the, 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 what it does to the name of Christ in such a public way. Yeah. So no, not all sins are, are equal in my eyes. Jesus says this explicitly and talks about even you know, things being more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the Day mm. of Judgment, mm. uh, Capernaum there's there's all sorts of um, evidence in scripture to, to show this yeah. is the case
0: yeah yeah I found that amazing yeah especially uh you as you were quoting Jesus uh, they're gonna burn a lot hotter in hell than those who 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 were in Sodom and Gomorrah because I feel like Sodom and Gomorrah is like the standard of like wickedness that uh we oh. like to throw around except that yeah, right. Jesus is saying that these guys who were religious people are going to burn harder, hotter than
1: than those. So definitely, we see a degree, uh, uh a punishment there for sure. Yeah. So, Mark, what's the difference between inward temptation and outward temptations?
2: This is a, a kind of a, uh, a bit of a debated topic in some sense. I realized that even as I was writing the book and and as I talked to people, uh, people just say almost blanket statements. Well, you know. It's not a sin to be tempted, and I say, well, that's that's. You need to explain. What do you mean by that? Um, it, John Owen talks about an external temptation, where it's an outward thing. He says it's indifferent. It, it's not um, something whereby we would say is necessarily sinful, because Jesus was tempted outwardly by the Satan. Mm. He appealed to him to turn the stone into bread and so on, worship him. Those were. Temptations whereby Jesus was not liable to uh, being accounted a sinner um, because he rejected those overtures, let's say, from Satan. Uh, But those um, inordinate um, lustings of the faculties of our flesh, whereby we are drawn from an inward desire after things not agreeable to God's law, that would be um, counted as a sin in terms of our, our will. We are responsible for our will and our actings of our will are are never um, neutral. They're either holy or they are sinful, but there's no, like, neutral realm. So inward temptation is the—James speaks of this—it's a, a lusting of the flesh after things uh, that are not agreeable to God's law, and that would be a sin, and that, that may be a heterosexual lust, homosexual lust, envy, covetousness. Paul addresses sin in terms of covetousness in Romans 7, and that's an inward issue, not just an
1: outward issue.
0: Yeah, we don't really talk about that
1: sin a lot. No, we don't. It's a good distinction to make, though. Yes, absolutely, for sure.
0: Um, Yeah, wow. So, uh, Mark, what are sins of omission? Omission. Since, sins of omission
2: are the the sins that we forget to confess in our public worship, and, uh, and and that's why people, I think, aren't as confronted with them as they should be. So we even the Ten Commandments, the way they're read, it's you know, do not do this, do not do that. It's 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 if we can say, I didn't kill someone today, um, you know, we, we mm. think okay, that's good. But what you find in uh, chapter like Ephesians four, I believe, Paul talks about. Um, not sinning but he doesn't just say well let the man who steals no longer steal he says let him work so that he may have something to share so in ephesians 4 you have all of these negatives but they're joined to the positives of what is required not just what is forbidden and sins of omission are are stopping right at the what is forbidden and not going to the what is required so we are required to love our neighbor. We're required to speak the truth, not just not lie. We're required to love our wives, not just not commit adultery. And so sins of omission are when we forget the things that are required of us according to God's law. And that, incidentally, is what makes Christ's obedience for our sake so much more beautiful, is it's not just that he didn't sin, it's that he was positively righteous in all that he did and always did what he was supposed to do in every situation.
1: As we head towards wrapping this up, Mark, can you tell us what the difference is between Christians and non Christians in committing sins?
2: I learned this from uh, a Reformed scholastic, Johannes Macovius. He has a book on scholastic distinctions, and it really struck me because he talked about how Christians sin differently from non-Christians insofar as Christians uh, have greater knowledge and powers. And so in one sense, their sins, when they do so, are more serious because we have greater awareness of God's law. But we also have the Holy Spirit um and we have teaching and and we have people encouraging us in our faith and so on so when we sin it's worse um on the other hand we sin with a broken heart so we Mm -hmm. sin uh, knowing we shouldn't there's um a sense in which there's a, a struggle that does go on usually unless it's with a high hand which is a different type of matter altogether but um Non Christians, their sin is more serious in the sense that they rush into it. There's no regrets. There's no repentance. Uh, there's no concern for God and um, on, a, on a spiritual level that would, you know. So they are different. Um, ours is um, not leading to death because Christ has covered our sins, whereas theirs leads them to death. So there's also the consequences are different. Um, and I think it's important to understand, you know, the, the difference between way we sin versus unbelievers and, and that helps us to see, you know, the nature of sin and how Christ deals with it.
1: Yeah. There's an indifference to sin on the part of unbelievers that we should as Christians hopefully don't Mm -hmm. have. We've got that conviction of the Holy Spirit in us, uh, something that we have to, to be very thankful for, Uh you know, um, if that's ever lacking, that would be something to take a look at, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so Mark, um, we just, we were
0: just talking about sin, this whole podcast, and somebody listening might be feeling beat up right now, you know, and, and, and they might be feeling some guilt right now. And what kind of words of encouragement would you give our worldwide audience uh about your book or just about sin and, and yeah. everything? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I hope there is someone who's who's beat up,
2: and uh, I I I had to write it. I was beat up a lot, and uh, still got some bruises. And I was reading a quote today that someone put on Facebook, and thought, "My goodness, that's me." (laughs) Uh, So I, I would say, you know, don't despair. You know, an awareness of your sin is one of the most precious things God can give to a human being, and it. Is precious because when you look at some of the great declarations of sin in Scripture, whether Exodus 33 or Psalm 51 or Isaiah 6 or other places, Peter says even to Christ, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Uh, it's, the context is around God's uh, amazing grace to real sinners. And Martin Luther writes to Philip Melanchthon about, you know, confess real sins, Philip. Don't be a pretend sinner, be a real sinner. And if you are a real sinner, then let your trust in Christ be even stronger than the confession of how real your sins were, because God doesn't say pretend sinners. So if you're a sinner and you understand that, that is a a great, great blessing from God because God is able to save real sinners. And Christ went to the cross for real sinners and he's interceding now for, for sinners, not for uh, sinless people. So, um, that's to me the glory of the doctrine of sin is it allows us to taste the glories of the doctrine of salvation in a sweeter way and shows God's mercy, compassion um, that makes it um, truly astounding that He would save any
1: of us. Hmm. Amen. Which really brings us to the gospel, right? Can you can you just give us a summary what the gospel is? What what did god do for us in christ to uh account for our sin
2: there's there's i think there's a few ways we can describe the gospel and it, it, they're all true in a, in a sense but i would say simply that that um you know jesus uh the son of god became flesh he became man so that he might bring us to god and and it's not just that our sins are forgiven it's that christ brings us to god he hmm. he doesn't just Uh, deal with the penalty of our sins, but he reconciles us so that we are in a state of friendship again with God. And that friendship is one that will lead to everlasting joy and blessedness in his kingdom forever and ever. And uh, that will be the the glory of the gospel that forever we are God's friends.
1: Amen. Amen. God is the gospel. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank
0: you very much for coming on Bridge Radio today. Um, Again, ladies and gentlemen, the book is out, Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritan by Dr. Mark Jones. And Mark, uh, where can people find you? If you want to be found, this is what I always say to our, our authors, where can they, are you on social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, where, where can they?
2: Yeah, yeah, I go on Facebook just okay. because I have, I have friends I stay in touch with. So I'm on Facebook and I, I, I you can follow me on Facebook or friend requests. although there's, I, I'm really behind on friend requests and I think there's a limit. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not really good at that stuff. I do have an author page. But yeah, Facebook and then my church website, faithvan.com sermons. And then, you know, Amazon or Westminster Books or Heritage Books or all these bookstores online. You can usually find the books pretty easily if you want to buy some.
0: And you can get
1: it here at Bridge. Absolutely. We will have the new book in a few days. Um, And I just want to give a shout out for a prior book. I think Faith, Hope, Love that you had written a few years ago. Right, Mark? That's a it's it's an excellent read as well.
2: Yeah, that one, um, yeah, I'm glad you, you you reminded me. That one's out of print now, actually. It's it's sold, and it's I, I think that's it. So uh, if you can find copies. I do people. have a
1: copy or two. What
2: <laughs> uh, God, God Is and Knowing Christ are two of the more popular ones, actually, and and uh, those ones have been going strong. So uh, I have faith, hope, and love uh, right here in my hand, actually. Yeah, yeah, there you I'm go. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you never know with books, some, some hit, some miss, and you just trust the Lord with how they all work.
0: Well, we got to make sure that we're promoting this one. Uh, for sure, because, uh, uh, and hopefully our worldwide audience are able to get a hold of this book as well. Well, Mark, thank you for joining us today. And, uh, and thank you for coming on.
2: Pleasure. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you guys again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mark.
0: Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode on Dr. Mark Jones' new book that just came out, Knowing Sin, Seen a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of
1: the Puritan by Moody Publishing. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Wow. <laughs> that was really good. No, seriously, yeah. I, was, I really, I mean, it's one of those topics that... You just don't see a lot of writing about outside of the Puritans, you know, and so it's really good to have a modern writer kind of refresh that out again and present it in a way that, you know, we can read it and engage with it.
0: It seems like, it seems like we've been engaging the Puritans a lot here lately, even <sighs> so with, to offer. with with with, with the, the authors that we have been talking we have, to.
1: We had Don McKim, right? Puritan McKim, prayers. Yes.
0: And uh, what do you think is going on with that? Is there just like. Uh, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out right now it's like, just it's...
1: a resurgence of interest i think generally in yeah. the puritans i mean you look at you know publishers like reformation heritage you know mm. they have so many of the puritan works you know and it's just really solid uh good stuff you know that we need to revisit yeah for
0: sure i i really enjoy that um and uh we'll have the book here here uh, pretty soon Uh, So for our local audience, please stop by at Bridge Ministry and pick up your book. You will be blessed for sure, even though it's going to probably be a hard book to read, right? We hate looking at our sin. We hate to admit our sin, but we have to. And and I think uh, Dr. Jones just... uh, does a great job, and he does. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely looking. I, I th- I'm thinking that this is a great book to just unfl a uh, 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 flush out in a group. Oh It'd yeah, be, for It'd sure. Be a neat study. I think it would be a neat study. Well, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and please, please subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio, and please visit our website at Bridge Men Laredo. Dot org, And don't forget to check us out on Spotify as things start getting better. We're going to be re- releasing a podcast more frequently as authors get back to us. And hopefully we'll have a more consistent uh, uh, schedule here with our podcast. And we here at Bridge Ministry, thank you for all our listeners around the world. Uh, and, and, and And hope that you and your families are doing well during this time of a pandemic. How we like always to end the show, Hmm. what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Till next week, guys.